0: Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez.
1: All right. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I'm here with Brad today. Jim will be back next week. But uh, this week, uh, again, we we posted the different topics that we wanted to discuss, wanted the listeners to kind of vote on, and, and we laid out eight different topics. This was, I think, this came in number two, Brad. This was tax mistakes you are making. How to use taxes to your advantage when you're having those conversations with clients. You know, tax planning seems to be the. Uh, The popular issue nowadays, especially with taxes projected to go up in the future. Um, So that's going to be our discussion today. It's going to be really, really good. A lot to learn in this front. But before we uh, jump into all that, I wanted to remind our listeners to check out or join our private Facebook community, Financial Advisors Edge community right on Facebook. It's free to join. And uh, like I said, uh, we had, it looks like 28 comments on you know, picking our, our future episodes. And so that was great to hear from, you know, what, what listeners want to hear about. It's not just what Brad and Jim and I want to talk about, but what do you want to hear? So, uh, additionally check out our website, thefaedge.com. You know, there's a place on the website. You can actually submit your questions. Uh, if you have a question you want to listen to or, or hear about on the on the website, rather, or on the podcast, rather, uh, type it in at the bottom. We also have our our bios on there. You can read all about us. If you want to know what Brad looks like and Jim looks like and I look like, you can read about our, our practices and a little bio there. And there's also our uh, private coaching community. Which is going to be awesome. It's called the Century Club. We got a lot of people that have signed up already. Still have a, a few spots open. Just a couple left. So, uh, so sign up for that. Go to thefaedge.com. Our Century Club, Brad. We're kind of just sharing all the secrets that we've learned. Um, you know, you and Jim have built monster businesses. I, you know, I've done okay building a, a nice practice as well. But the Century Club is kind of our our way of kind of coaching privately and having a a nice mastermind, if you will, of advisors that really want to grow, want to learn from people that have been there, have done that, have, have already built the practices that maybe you want to have. So check that out. The Century Club is right on our website, thefaedge.com. We're we're building that out piece by piece, layer by layer. That's been a lot of fun for us. And uh, we're really looking forward to launching that here shortly. So,
2: yeah, Greg, I, I got to interject there. Uh, conversations that I've had with some of uh, some of the, of our enrollees into the Century Club. I want to point out, guys, this is the best way that we could come up with <laughs> to deliver the specifics of what we talk about on here in a way that doesn't require that we all quit our jobs, which we have no intention of doing. <laughs> so if you want to drill down deeper into the things we talk about here, we figured the best way to do it is virtually and in a group. Um yep. so if you're holding out on waiting for us to all quit being as advisors and moving to personal coaches one on one, um that that's not on that's not in the cards. So so this is right. what
1: we got. <laughs> this this is, you know, if you want access to the three of us, um this is the best way we've, we've come up with. Um, And, you know, you know, for example, Jim has, has talked about, you know, his sales process. And one of the, one of the things is like, all right, Jim, I want you to lay out as specifically as you can, what this sales process looks like from A to Z. And so that, that's just one of the, the resources we're going to be sharing on there. Jim has, has talked about, um, you know, for example, seminar marketing, that seminar marketing has worked for all three of us, but we're going to lay that out and give detailed explanations of what to do, what not to do, and all that's going to be available on the Century Club. We're going to get really, really into the weeds of of how we do what we do. Share all of our deliverables, you know, with the world. So, yeah. uh, but you got to be part of the group. That's kind of uh, what we're looking forward to. And, uh, and having access, you know, to, to all three of us is going to be kind of cool. This is a, a way, you know, better than the the Facebook group. The Facebook group is, you know, we can kind of help answer questions and, and post topics and it's, it's really fun and interactive, but, but it is limited just kind of the structure of, of, of how Facebook groups work. Sure. So, uh, so anyway, enough with the century club, Brad, let's talk about, let's talk about taxes and tax yeah. planning and, and how we use it. Uh, kind of as a arrow in the quiver, so to speak, and and we, we see so many mistakes. And and on the last episode, I kind of let the cat out of the bag, <laughs> as we just recorded. But uh, but one of the biggest clients I got last year, a great client that I'm I'm really um, enjoying working with thus far. They had a huge trust account, Brad, and and it had actively managed mutual funds in this trust account. So it's a non-qualified account, trust account. And so the problem that that I identified just by looking at last year's 1099 from this trust was that hey, they had huge capital gains yeah. out of these actively managed mutual funds and 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 that's kind of it really threw them into the next tax bracket had a lot a lot of issues there. They had no idea. And I had to point it out on the 1099 and on their tax return. Hey, you're getting killed in taxes here just because you know your your former financial advisor has inappropriate investments yeah. in a non-qualified account. So let's let's talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, not only by by not making these mistakes you're taking better care of your clients, but you can use every one of the the things we're going to talk about today, as I mean, you want to you talk about wanting to drive a wedge between a prospect and another advisor, pointing out their their lack of attention to their tax situation and what that means for them, and showing them that there was an alternative way to handle it that wouldn't have caused the problem that they're in now. I mean, that's pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered, and and gift wrapped for you to to onboard a new client. But I think, Greg, I think what you're talking about here is one of your pet peeves, and it's one of mine too, um, that just the actively managed mutual fund going in any type of non-qualified account, not a not just a trust, that for most active funds, I mean, if it's not specifically in their investment objective to be tax sensitive, they pretty much assume that they're in some type of qualified plan and <clears throat> whatever they spit out in dividends and capital gains is is not really going to be a problem. But that's yes. not the case, is it?
1: No, no. So and, and so let's kind of conceptual, you know, talk about this conceptually. So with an actively managed mutual fund, whether it's an equity fund, fixed income, why they're you know less appropriate or less less than ideal in a non-qualified account is l- let's let's just say an actively managed mutual fund, they're doing a lot of buying and selling, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say they're they're selling Home Depot, they're buying lows. So that's gonna kick off capital gains. And so it's it's kind of hard as you're doing the you know that the tax planning for the years ahead, you don't know what the the capital gains are going to be, what what are going to be kicked out of that mutual fund. And and I I pointed out to this to this client, now client, they were a prospect at the time, that hey, you have this specific mutual fund here that kicked out a 6% capital gain last year. And and look dollar wise, you see this, you know, ten ninety nine. You'll see capital gain there. I mean, you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars. And they said, well, what's it going to be next year? Could it be eight percent? Well, it could be. Sure. We we have no way of knowing. And so that's that's the idea, you know of trying to plan ahead. So so it makes the tax loss harvesting more difficult because you don't know what capital gains are going to be year to year or capital losses uh, in these actively managed funds versus if you had that same actively managed fund in a Roth IRA, well, all those dividends and capital gains would, would be tax-free. So if, I guess if you're going to, if you're going to have the actively, if you have to have the actively managed mutual fund, if you just have to have them uh, and, and we won't get into specific fund companies and all that, Brad, uh, I, as sure. much as we probably would like to. <laughs> we will on the century club. We Yeah. 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 Um, you know, leave those in qualified accounts. Uh, so this is like a big, big, typically when I see them, they're a shares and, you know, someone says, well, they've paid a load to get into them, or maybe they bought them at NAV, but so it it doesn't make sense to to get out of them. But we like seeing tax efficiency in non-qualified accounts, whether that's an ETF or something else,
2: sure. And you know, i I'm sure everyone listening, Greg, I'm sure you're the same here. Let me tell you, I mean, people don't like to play pay taxes anyway, but you right. take a year like last year and have them be down double digit percentages and pay tax to lose money. yeah, that. I mean, if you want to talk about the, probably the number one thing that makes people mad, it's that right there. And, you know, when that, when we bring that up, and I certainly try and steer the conversation that way, but maybe I can share this on the century club, but what I do, you know, I, I'm for one guys, I, I, I have no artistic ability whatsoever. Like, like none, I'm not even the one to play hangman with. Cause you won't recognize it as a stick figure, right? So I, <laughs> I'll draw this, like, you know, I'll draw a bubble on a dry erase border piece of paper. and say, you know, with mutual fund. There's three different ways you could pay taxes and you only control, generally, you only control one of them, you know, and I'll put some stocks inside and then I'll draw arrows coming out of it, showing, you know, dividends, you know, when, when the securities pay dividends or the bonds pay interest, you know, that's coming out to you. You probably reinvest it. You don't have a say about whether a company pays a dividend, right? So that's beyond your control. Then, you know, another thing they could do, you know, I'll cross out Microsoft and buy Apple within my little bubble you know, there's your capital gains from the active management of the fund. We don't have any control over that either, right? But that's getting spit out to you at the end of the year. Um, The only one of the three that we can generally control, especially in an active fund, is whether we buy and sell a share, buy or sell the shares, right? Right. And so they kind of get that as to, you know, makes them understand why they are paying taxes in a year where they lost money right and then that's the perfect segue for me to go in you know however you want to however you want to drive that wedge and it, you know it sounds nefarious but it's not it's reality you know my next step is to say you know bob and sue um you know i'm sorry that your advisor was unaware of of that this would happen i said but this is our job we yeah. should be aware of this and there are you know there are different ways that you can combat this from happening you mentioned greg earlier you know the use of etfs um, but it could be ETFs or index funds. Probably ETFs are a little bit more tax efficient even than index funds, but they're tax efficient just because they don't do a lot of buying and selling, right? right? So you're going to eliminate a lot of those capital gains there. And then, you know depending on how you want to run the money and what where you're going, I I will at times have mentioned you know there are also fund, fund families that offer tax managed suites of mutual funds. so even if you believe in, you don't have to get on the indexing or passive management bandwagon, either way, there is a solution for you. And, you know, to point out to the prospect and saying, I'm aware, you know, if we need to have non-qualified money here, I'm going to use funds that absolutely have an objective of minimizing your tax burden. So this doesn't happen. And I mean, it's just short of magical. Paying taxes to lose money does not put people in a favorable mood. And letting them know that you are, it's something that you're aware of in your practice and that you have multiple ways to handle um, that's really powerful in bringing in business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what you can do, you know, you can even, if you want to get it in the weeds, I, I don't know if it's necessary, but you know, in my case, you know, I, I just, I just pointed out this, this one mutual fund actively managed that has 6% capital gain. I said, we can go back and look at, at previous years and and see what the past history of the capital gains this fund. And so all it took was like looking back three years and they were like, holy crap. So this, yeah, is this isn't ca-
2: a one-off, this isn't a one-off thing. This is going to happen every year. Yeah.
1: Right. And it doesn't. And so what they were, they had just had a hard time wrapping their head around that the mutual fund actually was down in value yep. in 2022, yet it kicked out a 6% capital gain. So um, anyway, it's, um, you know, and then they'll say something like, why didn't our advisor, you know, alert us or alarm us of this, that this was was an issue? Well, this is, you know, I, I, I don't know. You, you'll have when- to ask that person and any time in the
2: in the prospecting and closing process that someone says why didn't my advisor know this i mean this is your green light to sign here right right, right. right. i mean right. I, short of being like uh, literally just being like terrific where do i sign to come here i mean if that's not a green light to bring them on then i don't know what is but you know greg on the same topic here's another one another tax mistake that i see all the time that's an opportunity on the same wavelength how many times do you run across prospects that have a non-qualified account and have not made a damn Roth contribution in 10 years?
1: Yes. Yes. So imagine they have a brokerage account, a non-qualified brokerage. Yeah. Account. Let's maybe it has a TOD on it and it's just sitting there. And, and these Roth IRAs, you know, they let's say they have like five grand in them. And it's like, okay, why why are we not systematically getting the money in a Roth? Huge, huge, right? and and so the, obviously the advantage of that, you, you know, you you look at the ten ninety nines from that non qualified account, it's like you're paying taxes on all of these dividends, yep. and heaven forbid that you you know, uh, you have an actively managed mutual fund and they're paying taxes on the capital gains. I mean, and if you can't double whammy
2: that, and by the way, again, this is not nefarious. I mean, I believe this at my core. We are, yes, we are in a sales profession, but it is our damn job to do the best that we possibly can for these people, right? So in a scenario where you got an actively managed fund in a non-qualified account with people that are not making Roth contributions that are otherwise eligible, right? Right. I mean, number one, you didn't pay attention to the active, what the tax implication of an actively managed fund anyway. And then you were in such a damn hurry to get these people's money and put it in to a non-qualified account that you just couldn't fathom taking a couple of years to massage it into Roth IRAs to make taxes a non-issue ever. And even if you were that excited, I mean, you could always do a non-qualified account and every year make it a point to say, hey, Do you want to make a Roth contribution from your savings? If yes, good. If no, terrific. Let's take 665, whatever the limit was in the particular year from the non-qualified and move it over into the Roth. I mean, why are you not doing this? And then, you know, I usually tie it together with something else like, you know, once these limits are gone for the year, they're gone, right? Right. So you've had 10 years to move probably 50, 60 grand a piece over. You know, With is something you got to pay attention to. Why didn't your advisor do this? Because he's clearly asleep at the wheel. Right. Clearly didn't right. know about the active management. Didn't pay attention to your Roth limits. Let them go. You know, so you want to talk about getting someone to drive that wedge in the ground and cement it with reinforced, you know, there it is and right. to also at the same time let them know the value that you provide and the things that you are paying attention to for your clients i mean that's huge and you know it's not only Roth IRAs but i run into people also that have this big non-qualified account and they're you know they're not they're not maxing out their 401k or their 403b or their Roth IRAs and it's like sometimes this costs a little in assets under management in the short term where you say hey you know, let's not put all of that in this account right now. Let's hold some of that in savings so you could max your Roth 401k out for a couple of years. It'll put you in a better position long term. Um, we'll go into more depth on this, uh, I guess, in the Century Club. But you know, yeah, that puts a couple thousand bucks that you 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 can't manage right now. But I like to think that the goodwill and doing the right thing long term comes back to you tenfold.
1: Yeah, That's I had funny. a client uh, real quick on that, Brad. Yeah. They the, the match, I believe the match was really good. It was like six percent. And this is a new client, and they were they were putting it in the, the Roth 401k. And they said, Should we just stop that and 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 fund our Roth Ira with you or our non-qualified account with you instead of putting it in the Roth 401k? And I said, You would be crazy to do that because you're getting a six yeah. percent dollar for dollar. And yep. and you know, the woman she the the wife of the couple, she looked at her husband and goes, we can trust this guy. Absolutely. That is so big. Yep. Yeah. So, so just so big. So some simple things like that. Those, those are good examples. Brad, that was a hot butt. I'm glad you brought that up because I see that yeah. all the time. They got a huge non-qualified account and they have uh, a small Roth IRAs. And it's like, what the your advisor had to be asleep at the wheel. It's game over. These. It's yeah. game over. And you know, I'm thinking of
2: one too. I had right when COVID started. Actually, we didn't. We had to finish e-signing the paperwork because it spanned right before COVID and during COVID. And you know, I worked in the K to 12 marketplace a lot. And this was a teacher, and and she was at a at a firm that we won't mention. And, you know, no 403B, but was putting like seven or eight hundred bucks a month in a non-qualified account. And the question came up in the meeting, you know, why am I why haven't I been using I didn't know all the tax benefits of the 403B? Why did my advisor have me doing doing this and the tax thing was the same you know they got in capital gains distributions granted they were up and the answer was pretty simple the firm that the advisor was at didn't have a payroll contract with her employer so i can't get the assets under management if i tell you to do a 403b so here you are paying taxes and by the way now we got embedded capital gains cuz we've done this for 5 or 6 years in an up market it was game over it was yeah. game over it was crystal clear that the advisor was in it for the sale Not what was best for her, and it was game over, done. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: great, great example, great example. Uh, Let's go into a couple other things. So we've, uh, you know, uh, capital loss harvesting. You know, we've kind of we've kind of talked about that. Yeah, Roth conversions are going to continue to be huge. And and Brad, you wanted to kind of talk about a simple example and why because a lot of advisors don't comprehend why Roth conversions when the market is down and their investments are undervalued on sale, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, and I think it, I think it was Jeff that gave this example, the 10 to eight example. Um, so, so he said, imagine you have a $10 mutual fund or index fund, index fund. We'll say it as an index fund. It's down to $8. And so how he explains it to clients is we can pay taxes, on the $8, why it's undervalued, right? And then, okay, the $8 goes into the Roth IRA. And then when the market rebounds, your eight turns into 12 and it's all tax-free. So wouldn't you rather pay taxes on the $8 or do you want to wait until the market rebounds and it's back up to 10 or 12 and pay taxes on the 10 or 12?
2: Yeah, you know, and Greg, I actually said, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. I wanted you to talk about it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> which you did great. So, I, just as you were talking, I thought of a great example here. We were just talking about you know Silicon Valley Bank and whatnot. Just if if you need to conceptualize this, think about a treasury, right? Let's just pretend you own a treasury bond. You know, a year ago, that's mm-hmm. it, just a treasury, and uh, it's in an IRA. You know, and, and it's worth full price. You could have converted the IRA, you know, a year and a half ago at full price, or you could convert it now or last year where that same treasury is now 10, 15%, maybe even a little more down in value because of rates. Now, And I use this as a specific example. It's a treasury, right? Take all the other nuance out of this. You paid taxes on it at 89 cents on a dollar, right? right? If you hold the thing to maturity, you're absolutely getting all of your money back, but you paid the taxes while there was a paper loss. So you paid less taxes. Right. So, and you do a great job at that and you pay a ton of attention to stuff like that in your practice, which is why I thought, you know, that would be a definite thing that you should bring up and talk about. Cause I, I think it's huge and I think it, it's a huge benefit for your clients that you do that and I think other people could learn from it.
1: And and what's interesting is when you're explaining that to a client, I, again, I like Jeff's example. I stole it. The ten dollars to eight, they'll say something like, "Okay, so when it rebounds up to the twelve, it'll be in the Roth and it'll be tax free. So we don't pay any taxes once it rebounds." And I'm like, "You got it. It's tax free <laughs> growth. It, it can it, tax free territory is what I call it in the Roth." And, and they're saying, and again, why we want to do it now is that the market's downs, so we're only paying taxes on the eight, but also, and I have clients, I again, I don't get political with people, but the ones that are more conservative. They'll say, oh, and we want to do it now while taxes are low and we're still under Trump's tax bill because taxes are low because of Trump. We have Trump to thank, right? It's like, yeah, okay.
2: It's true. Whatever. Yeah. Listen, a tribute to whoever you want. Trump, Biden, uh, the Illuminati, I don't care.
1: (laughs) Whatever makes sense to you, as
2: long as we get her converted at eight instead of 12. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Right. So uh, we want to do it now, you know, it's down. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so so they you know, they've kind of got their however they you know visualize this working and as long as it's correct, yeah, I, I agree with them. The other thing, I'll give a specific example. I had a client that brought in last year's tax return, and and i I have some tax planning software that's that's very comprehensive. it's It's actually pretty easy to learn after you you know spend some time doing it. Um, and, and I'm actually working on my enrolled agent. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to incorporate more and more tax planning into the business. But, but anyway, I looked at last year's taxes for this couple and they had very simple situation. They were retired. Income was, was rather low assets w- were rather high, but it was all tax deferred money, right? It's the, the couple that never knew anything about a Roth and it's all in a four, was in an old 401k. Now it's a rollover IRA. But anyway, I looked at their tax return, showed them an analysis. This was a prospective client. And I said, oh, I, I'm just curious. Last year, you you were able to, to either take out $12,000 out of your IRA tax-free or convert that $12,000 to a Roth IRA. Why why did you decide not to do that last year? And, and they looked at each other like, well, because no one ever told us. And I, I, I was like, really? Like, and so I I just showed them on on my little plan. I said, You you see see this little little crap? And I said, see that twelve thousand one hundred and twenty-six dollars. That's the amount of money you could have taken, either taken out of your IRA and paid zero taxes on it and gone on a vacation, gone on a trip, or you know, bought a whatever you want, or you could have moved that to a Roth IRA and paid literally zero (laughs) federal or state income taxes. Literally zero. And they said why didn't we do that? Can, can, and, the, and you know what she said? The wife was smart. She goes, is there a way to go back and do it? <laughs> and I said, well, you, you kind of missed you, that, that ship has sailed, but, but it's okay because we're going to do this planning for the next year. And actually this year we're going to be able to do a little more. And the And the wife goes, you're our guy you're yeah, our yeah. guy. Uh, we, sh- I, we missed where I'm, and she goes, I'm mad. We didn't do this last year because the way I figure is I could have got 12 grand out tax-free. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so Greg,
2: there you go. Like so you got that question we just talked about. Why didn't my advisor tell me about this?
1: Once you get that question, get out the ACAP paperwork, like, it's <laughs> game over. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> you That's know? right. That's And then, you know, the next question was, Okay, well, what are the next steps? Those magic words. Right. What are, yeah. I, she's she's like. I have I have heard enough. I am. She goes. You have taught us better than any anybody ever ever. They, they. She said the other advisor just wanted to talk about how the mutual fund, like how they do the picking of the stocks. That's yeah. what she said. How they do the picking of the stocks and and why they shift from one to the other. And I'm like, oh, okay, and so right um so you you we, as advisors we get we get to you know decide you know how we teach and, and the planning that we do and how we communicate that to clients Brad I want to jump because this is a commonality that we both have you know where I'm going with this um, I think so 529s oh um and um so I have a lot of older clients that want to set up 529s for their grandkids um I I do have a few clients that have 529s for their kids, but it's just because my client base tends to be older. Yours is, is more a diverse mix of demographics, I I guess. Um, so let's talk about a, a 529 strategy to save people money on taxes. Yeah. Um, so, and by the way, guys, so
2: this won't be applicable to everyone, but every type of practice can, can take advantage of this. I think if you're in the right state, um, you know, you got grandparents setting up for grandkids. You've got you parents setting up for kids. Nice with the new with the new rules. Well, they're not new anymore, but being able to use five twenty nine funds for private K to twelve, there's lots of opportunity to exploit this. And we're not talking about the normal, the normally thought of tax benefits in a five twenty nine. But Greg and I were talking before the show. I, I've never met anyone besides him that uses this, Uh, and I think he feels the same. So, yep. Um, you know, we're both in states where you can take a a state income tax deduction for a 529 contribution. So, what we both tell people as like a little hack to this is, to to our knowledge, there's no limitation on how long the money's got to stay there, just has to go in the 529 and then be used for qualifying expenses. So, I've told especially newer clients or or younger clients that are sending their kids to private K to 12, hey. Before you write the check for the tuition, let me know. Why? What? Why should I let you know? Uh, because here's the thing. I'll open a 529 plan for you that has a, an FDIC-insured cash option optimally. And if not, you can use one that has a money market option. And if your tuition is uh, $9,000 this August, write me a check to the 529 for $9,000 first. Oh, but, but Brad, but we don't, you know, we're not. Well, uh, we don't want to save any more for college. We you know. Wait, that's not where we're going. Write me the check for $9,000. I will put it in the 529 in the cash sweep or the money market option today. And then tomorrow I will cut you a check back for that $9,000, where you can then go ahead and pay the tuition. And in my state, income tax is about 3%. Greg, I think you mentioned before the show, yours is about 5 uh, You still made the 529 contribution, and that's now deductible on your state return. So you just got a 3% or 5% discount on your tuition just for making a 24-hour round trip to the plan. I think that's a really neat
1: tax life hack that not many people use, and they probably should. I do too. I do too. And I, I use it. Um, I, uh, in our state, it's a little higher. Uh, I work, I have clients in over 20 different states. So yeah, you uh, listeners figure out how this would apply to your state. I know obviously some states don't have a state income tax deduction, but in ours, yeah, five, it tops out, I believe 5.4%. Uh, don't, don't quote me exactly, but, um, yeah, I had a a, cl- a client, for example, that was sending uh, his daughter to the University of Missouri, and and which is at the time was like twenty six grand or something like that. And you know, you're limited. You check with your state to see what what the maximum contribution is, tax deductible sure. contribution to the five twenty nine. In this guy's case, it was sixteen grand, and so he's saving five point four percent on sixteen grand. And the, the the crappy part is is his daughter was a junior. And yeah. he said, well, he goes, I've just been paying the the tuition directly to the school every year for the past, you know, two and a half years. Yep. And I said, well, your advisor kind of didn't do you uh, a good job Why service. wasn't my advisor do- telling me to do that? Right. Game over. Game right. over. Sign here and he said and you'll do this for us like yeah. he didn't even want to do the paperwork for this like he he said okay as long as you'll handle you know every i said we 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 do it all comprehensive so that was like a game you know sign here yep of course well. by the
2: way we're interject something else by the way guys uh consult your tax advisor blah blah that disclosure right yes yes hey, no c no cpas on here you're not paying us for tax advice we're not giving tax advice we're just talking right So I'm pretty sure it works this way.
1: Right. <laughs> so, anyway, that, that that's that's a actionable uh, strategy that that has you know it worked really really well for us. Um, the other thing is you you have to go in there and the the client has to remember to take the state when they're doing their taxes in April or whatever. Yeah. Uh, remember to claim it because I've had some clients that forget to and then yeah. they got to amend their taxes, which is a pain in the ass. So hey hey guys, um, we talk all the time also
2: about communicate, talk to people. There's another easy one that people appreciate and, a, and an easy reason for you to contact any of your clients you know that are putting money in 529s, right? A call during right before tax time, just as a friendly reminder, Thanks. hey, don't forget. Here's your 529 contributions for the year. By the way, here's another one, actually, not on this opportunity of saving taxes, but they're going to need the December, you know, the tax preparer is going to need the December 31 value of their 529. You could take that opportunity on that phone call to say, hey, here's your contributions for last year. Here was your end of year balance. Make sure that you give it to your tax preparer. They're going to need both to get you the proper deductions. There's a contact, there's a helpful contact reiterating to them that you are thinking about them all the time, even when they're not in your office and them calling you. And it is powerful.
1: Yeah, that's huge. That's huge, and they need you know that total amount. It'll be on that the twelve thirty one statement. We'll give you the year (laughs) to date. You don't have to look old, count every monthly contribution or whatever. So uh, that's awesome, Brad. A couple other topics that I had: uh, donor advised funds. You know, for the people that are uh, very very charitably inclined, those are those are becoming huge. And talk about a game changer for a client that's never. I can't. For the donor advised funds that we've set up for clients, it's the response is always, I didn't know this existed. (laughs) Or why didn't our advisor teach us about donor advised fund? There it is again. See what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) What's the next step from there, Greg? (laughs) Right. Right. And so, okay, you know, the question might be, um, well, how do I figure out if they're charitably inclined? Get their damn tax return from last year. <laughs> Look at all the charitable contributions. Do they itemize? Do they not? Look at all the giving will be on there. And then you can kind of say, "Oh, you know, I I, I noticed one of a uh, one of your values is is charitable giving. Let's talk more about that. I have an idea for you." And and to see if that might be, you know, a, a nice strategy to use to bunch their charitable giving all into one year, um, and you know what? The tax advisor is going to agree with you. And but you can even run it by what I did in this one case is I said, "Hey, Charlie's your tax advisor. Let's get him on the phone to talk about this and see if this might if he agrees, this is a good fit." And and I had hit his buy in as well. And the client was like all ears. They were like, "Okay, this this works." Um, and then lastly, kind of in the same vein. Uh, for the for those clients that are 70 and a half or older, uh, qualified charitable distributions, if you have any clients out there that are, how many times have you heard this, Brad? I have to take money. Mom's so old now, she has to take money out of her IRA. She has to take it out. So she's taking the money out, paying the taxes on it, and then giving it to the church. Yeah. Wh- wh- why? Why doesn't mom... Instead of paying the taxes on it, if, if her RMD is three grand and she's giving three grand to the church, why don't we take the three grand, do a QCD with it? Mom doesn't pay taxes. Her church doesn't pay taxes because it's a 501c3. The full three grand can go to the church. Mom doesn't have to pay any taxes. It's like, that sounds like a win-win to me. Um, sure. So uh, QCDs, we've been doing more and more of these. We don't have a ton of uh, clients that that are 70 and a half or older, just a handful. But if you do, if you have a, a, an older client base, look at these QCDs, talk to your clients about it. Um, a lot of them have never heard about it.
2: Se- 73 now.
1: Well it so so <laughs> it, it is but you can actually do the QCDs still at 70 and a half it doesn't sure. align. Yeah, you're right. It, yeah. It, good it, point. Which is which is dumb, but that's that's the way it is. I actually I had to verify with a couple CPAs um but yeah, the QCD for whatever reason is still 70 and a half RMD age is 73. So um check into it. The Secure Act go. 2.0 did not update that. Um, no kidding? yeah
2: it, it, see tidbits everywhere on this show.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I was right with you I I thought um but uh but anyway,
2: we, oh, we that's just, why I said it just so we could stage that out. I didn't actually, yeah, I knew that.
1: <laughs> so um so this this discussion as far as tax planning, all kinds of different areas that that you can bring up and bring up conversations with clients um and can be extremely useful. Roth IRAs, I I think we should probably end or or circle back on that, Brad. Yeah. As everybody knows, Roth IRAs, um, there's no RMDs with those. They grow tax-free. And when you mention, okay, your IRA is going to be left to your children, and your children are going to have to pay taxes on that. But your Roth IRA, that's going to go to your children as well, but they're going to get it completely tax-free. Do you want... Kim and Susan and Connor and Tyler to inherit this money tax-free or you don't like those names, Brad? <laughs> I know you don't like those names. I'm just trying to think of like millennial names or younger, right? <laughs> Greg
2: does a lot of pro bono work with prospects.
1: Yes. There's yeah. a lot
2: of Connors and Tylers.
1: I, um uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they don't quite meet my minimum, uh, Bradley, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, but the conversation is, do you, you know, in leaving that money, your IRAs, your Roth IRAs, your children, again, do you want your children, you know, the names that, that is mentioned that I forgot already, uh, to get the money tax-free inside of a Roth, or do you want your children to have to pay taxes on it? And And let's say your son, Tyler is a doctor and he's in, you know, the 32% tax bracket. He's going to be paying higher taxes than you if he gets it when he's still working yeah. or within ten years. So, so bringing up, hey, Roth IRAs and and how powerful they are—they can literally grow tax-free for the rest of your life, um, and, and then be passed on to your children tax-free. You, you know, how Greg, does that sound to you?
2: Yeah, and you know, Greg, on the same line, and I got to give Jeff all the credit in the world on this because I, I stole this from him entirely. I think he talked about it maybe a year ago on here. You know, the idea that, you know, getting more Roth money when it comes time for RMDs, not many of us are going to die at the same time as our spouse, right? True. And at one point in most households, someone's going to be filing single at some point in the future. And the more Roth money that they have, the lower their RMD is, which is relevant because now all of that taxable income is only going to flow to the single tax brackets instead of. Married filing jointly. So I, I, pointing that out and that you're letting letting clients and prospects know that you're thinking that far ahead for them. um, I think that's powerful too. and and you know, that and it all ties together. Not only is it, you know, smaller RMD, so lower tax brackets and single you know in the single brackets, you've got all the Irma considerations and it flowing to the taxability of your social security and your Medicare premiums. I mean, this stuff is all powerful. And it's and the 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 great part about all this is is, and I think most things we do fall on this track, right? Everything we've talked about today helps your clients. There's right. I don't think you've mentioned a darn thing that pays us, changes our compensation at all. This is all beneficial to your clients. It's all stuff that we should be doing for them. And there is nothing wrong with pointing out to them that they are not getting this stuff where they are. So that wedge we keep talking about, and I keep reiterating, it's not nefarious. It's not. They should be getting this advice. And if they're not getting it, they should start getting it from you. And now, because of that powerful message delivered with the right voice inflection, I'm not giving another
1: final thought because that is it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> love it brad love it brad i i'll just piggyback one you know thought or comment onto that as as brad was giving that final thought and and so eloquently putting that he, what notice what he's not saying is he is not slamming the the current advisor he is not saying well You know Bob Smith is an idiot. That's why he didn't. You never, you you never want to, you know, put anyone down or, you know, why have they not been giving me that advice? Well, I, I I don't know, but it it seems to be one of the missing pieces here. And I Um, will. So, so yes, but but he is he is not going to have derogatory comments directly at this person because he's never met Bob Smith. He doesn't he doesn't know anything uh, about Bob Smith. So. Um, that's not going to win you any points with these people. It's not. So, so we don't even go there. We're professionals. So, um, absolutely at all times. Yeah. So this, this has been a great conversation as far as tax planning, uh, tax mistakes that we see and how to really bring, and I hate the word value, but, but added value to the relationship, um, with the client. Um, so, uh, this massive. is what we massive value. Yeah, massive value, right? <laughs> so hey, hope this uh episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast has been helpful. It's been entertaining, if anything, hopefully. Um, hey, find our private Facebook community, the uh Financial Advisors Edge community on Facebook. And then our website is thefa edge.com. You're gonna want to check out our Century uh club. We are we're building it out. It is where we divulge all of the secrets that have gotten us where we are today. Brad's going to share his secrets. Jim's going to uh, you know, divulge all of his secrets. The same for myself. We're going to put it all together and lay everything out for you. If you're serious about growing your business this year, next year, the years to come, now's the time. Join a mastermind group like the century club at thefaedge.com. We're happy to have you just have a a few slots left, a few spaces. We we don't want to have like 900 people in this because it would just be too difficult. Um, and, uh, so small community, uh, Brad, do you have any last points before we go? No, I think that wraps it up. Okay. Well, we'll see everybody next time on another episode of the financial advisors edge podcast. Take care everybody.
0: i